Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. I want to make just a little note or disclaimer here before I continue. This program, as you probably know, is pre-recorded, and we have to record several days ahead of time from the time that you actually hear it. And we are in the midst, of course, of this pandemic, which is, by its nature, very, very fluid, which means everything else is very fluid as well. Certainly, it has been in my life. And so, I don't know what the situation is right now in the world, in the church, in your lives, as you are listening to this program. However, I will do the best I can to try and maybe project in terms of where things might be, but I can only look at things clearly as they are now. So we're going to continue then with that in mind. So if things are very, very different, and maybe what I'm going to present here may seem a little maybe outdated or relevant, I don't know. Who knows what's going on, of course. (laughs) Hopefully you'll bear with me. So just a little note and disclaimer as we continue on. And this will probably be the same for a while, because as I mentioned, and as we all know, this is a very, very fluid situation, which makes everything else in our lives very fluid. But now, having made that notation, I still want to bring to you the joy of the resurrection. But I also want to look at how the Eastern Christian spirituality, which of course is what we present here, the gifts of the Eastern churches, both the Eastern and the Western lungs of the church, but primarily the Eastern churches. I want to share with you how that spirituality can help us negotiate through this very fluid and very, very mysterious situation that the whole world is in. And again, I will draw upon the liturgical prayer, because you see, prayer, as we always say here, prayer is, especially liturgical prayer, is where everything comes together. It's where we get the blueprint of all of life. And so that's why I always dig into the prayer of the church, especially the liturgy of the church. That's where it all comes together, especially because at the very center, the very hub of it, is the Eucharist. The Eucharist, which probably we still are abstaining from, I don't know, like I said, maybe something changed since I recorded this program. But I assume that we're probably still 
not permitted to receive the Eucharist in terms of a whole community. That's unfortunate, but also has its place as well. In the Byzantine liturgical life, during these past few weeks, especially during Holy Week, we had many things in the prayers that speak to us in a way that is so incredibly poignant and relevant, because what the liturgy is saying is what we're experiencing. You see, the thing that is most important when we talk about the scripture or the liturgy, and maybe it's taken this pandemic and the aftermath and the fallout from it, all the fluidity and the confusion and then all the abstaining from everything that has come from it, maybe it's taken that for us to step back and to realize that when we read the scriptures, when we move through things like Lent, Holy Week or Great Week or the Week of the Bridegroom, and now this Paschal season, the resurrection, that through the liturgy, we really move through the actual events. We are the people in these events. These events are not just some kind of historical thing we commemorate in a very beautiful and nice, kind of happy social way at church. And that probably is the perspective of many people regarding church, which is also why many people don't think it's all that relevant. You know, it's something, it's kind of nice, yeah, but it's, uh, it's something I don't really need. It's not all that relevant. Well, God has seen to it and has happened right smack in the middle of Lent and was reaching its peak during Holy Week, God has seen to it that we do now have an opportunity to step back and see what it's really all about. During Holy Week in the Byzantine Church, we call that Holy Week also Week of the Bridegroom. And the theme that moves through that week is, especially the first three days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, is that Jesus Christ is coming, and we have to be prepared for the bride. We have to be prepared. We have to be prepared to meet the bridegroom, as we are the bride. And when I say we, I mean, yes, the church, that's the fullness of the bride of Christ, mystically speaking, but it's also his whole creation, humanity. Humanity is the bride of Christ, and we have not been faithful brides. So God has given us an opportunity, has worked through this pandemic, whether he actually willed it or not, I don't know, but he certainly He certainly, I believe, has engineered the timing of it, and he certainly wants us to learn something from it. He certainly is speaking to us. I think he's saying, step back. He's saying what the liturgy said, especially the liturgy during Holy Week, the week of the bridegroom, because we do certain prayers such as we remind ourselves, as we see in the story of the virgins. Remember the ten virgins? Five were wise, five were foolish, because five went out to meet the bridegroom to escort him to the wedding. That would be the custom back in ancient times. They would have the weddings in the evening, so they needed lamps. So, so the wise virgins had their lamps lit, and they were ready. They kept vigilant. They looked ahead to see what was coming, what they needed to be prepared for. The foolish ones just lived for the moment. And figured, well, later on I'll get ready. And when time came, they didn't have their oil in their lamps, and they asked the virgins who did. And, and the virgins said, well, no, we got ours. you got to get yours. So they ran back to get it, but it's too late. The bridegroom came, and the foolish virgins were barred from the wedding. That, of course, is a marvelous analogy for us and for what we were supposed to be looking at during Great Holy Week, Week of the Bridegroom. We're supposed to be stepping back and asking ourselves, how do we see the bridegroom. You know, before the pandemic happened, there was a very unfortunate reality that was delivered, especially to us pastors and priests, 
And that reality was that 70% of Catholics do not believe in the real presence of the Eucharist. And also, on top of that, the statistics that show that most people in America are unaffiliated, not affiliated with a church, more than there are people who are affiliated. Now, what is that saying? It's saying that we didn't see the bridegroom coming. We did not prepare for it. We didn't think we had to, like the foolish virgins. We did not see this as significant. We did not certainly see that our judgment day was coming. Who foresaw this among those who died during the pandemic? As unfortunate and sad as that is, who was ready for it? In the liturgical verses, we say this, and this is during Tuesday of Holy Week. The banquet hall is open, the divine wedding prepared, and the bridegroom comes forth and invites us. Therefore, let us prepare ourselves. Okay, the banquet hall is the church. I mean, even physically the church. And mystically, the divine wedding is what goes on in the church. And the bridegroom is Jesus Christ. So we as the bride come to the wedding banquet in the wedding hall of the church to unite ourselves with our groom, Christ, in the Eucharist, but also in the worship and prayer of the church. Well, since the pandemic broke, the churches were closed down. The church being the wedding hall and the banquet was set, but there were no guests that could come. And many of us felt that. Many of us felt that very poignantly. Some maybe didn't care. But that was the situation, actually, in a very similar way before the pandemic, as I mentioned, with people not believing in the real presence, not seeing church as all that consequential, all that quote-unquote essential. So there wasn't a whole lot that was different. Yes, there were many people who would come to church and found that valuable. But as I said, and as these statistics show, more people in our culture and our world today do not think that the Eucharist is important, that church and God is essential. They felt that and believed that before the pandemic. So God gave us an opportunity to think about it. Okay, you don't take this seriously. Now you don't have it. Now think about it. I'm going to create a space for you to look and meditate and let it sink into you what all this was, what it was all about. Are you ready for the coming of the bridegroom? There's another verse that says this, Prepare yourself, O my soul, for your final departure. For behold, the return of the just judge draws near. So we await the coming of the bridegroom when we go to church, and we wait him especially in the reception of the Eucharist. But there's also another coming, and that is the last judgment. And our own judgment here on earth before the last judgment. You know, there are two judgments, one when we die and one when Christ comes back again, the second coming. And everyone will be judged. Bodies raise up, rejoin our souls, and we will either be with the sheep or the goats. In other words, in heaven or in hell. So this pandemic was also a time to prepare for the coming of the judge, the bridegroom, in our lives, at our death, and also for the second coming. We know not when this is going to happen. We're going to continue with looking at how the liturgy of the church during these holy weeks help us negotiate through 
this phenomenon of the coronavirus pandemic. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Suddenly, we find ourselves in a new reality where first responders, doctors, custodial workers, nurses, police and fire personnel, stockers, dock workers, clergy, religious, and others are in the front lines to combat COVID-19. These people care for your welfare. When you meet one of these selfless people, thank them. Let kindness prevail as we at Light of the East ask you to pray for them. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Glory to Jesus Christ. Father Loya would like you to know that Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church is open for personal prayer during the coronavirus outbreak. Father Loya is available for confession and personal counseling during the week. The Divine Liturgy is live-streamed Sunday mornings at 10 on the Annunciation Parish Facebook page. Please keep in mind that parish expenses continue in your absence and that your donation can be accepted on the donation page at byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Thank you. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyer, your host. And again, I say to you, Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. I was maybe perhaps talking about the negative a bit in the first half of the program, but that's only a lead-in to what is joyful and positive, because we are in the Paschal season through it all. But in order to appreciate that, we actually have to look at the negative. We have to look at what we could not have, what our sin was, what we did not appreciate, what this whole pandemic thing has provided us with in terms of an opportunity. I mean, I don't want the pandemic. I want it to go away. I'm sorry it happened. I want it to go away as much as anybody. We pray for those who died, who are victimized by it, either by experiencing it or even dying from it. Don't get me wrong about that. I'm like everybody else, because we look at things through the sacramental view. We look at things through the liturgy here, through the scriptures. We also can see that God was trying to do something with us and for us. And unfortunately, oftentimes it has to come in this form. Another brilliant passage from the liturgical prayer of Holy Week was this verse. The serpent thought he found a second Eve in the Egyptian woman who tried to make Joseph succumb to her words of flattery, but he avoided sinning. He left his garment behind, but was not ashamed of his nudity, as were our first parents after their disobedience. Through his prayers, O Christ, have mercy on us. This is a reference to Joseph. Remember the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis where his brothers sold him into slavery. You thought basically he was dead. They wanted to kill him at first, but they just put him in this, like in this, uh, like well or something. And he was eventually found and sold into slavery. They thought he was long gone because they were jealous. Well, you know the story, hopefully. There's a great reconciliation at the end and so on. Well, this is a, a type 
of Jesus Christ. It's a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ, who himself was betrayed by his own people. But it's said that Joseph, in resisting what was the temptation of the Egyptian woman, when he ran away, he left his garments. He ran away nude. But it says he was not ashamed of his nudity, as were our first parents after their disobedience. And that's very significant, because as I mentioned, Joseph is actually a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, being innocent, the perfect man, the new Adam, how Adam was supposed to be, we look back at Adam, the first Adam, and realize that he and Eve were naked but without shame. They were innocent even their nakedness. It was after their nakedness that they had shame, that shame came into the world. and They had to cover up from the gaze of each other because they could not trust each other's gaze because of their sin. Well, Jesus would have symbolized then the first Adam and Eve when there was innocence. And that's why Joseph, who symbolizes Christ, as it says in this liturgical verse, was not ashamed of his nudity because he had the innocence of the first Adam, the innocence of Christ. So it harkens back to how we were supposed to be, our original innocence that Jesus Christ came to restore and which was foreshadowed in figures in the Bible such as Joseph. So the time of Holy Week was rich in looking at our situation honestly, what sin has done and Christ coming into that time of sin to redeem us. The whole theme of Holy Week was to step back and be like the wise virgins and prepare for the coming of the bridegroom. Another text tells us and asks the question, indicting question, why Why did you put so much attention into what was not essential? You did not think of your soul. You did not think of what was really essential. And this is precisely what this time of this pandemic has forced us to do. I suspect there's a lot of things we will not return to or not return in the same way or see them with the same priority. Maybe we won't see sports bars and all the sports, nothing against sports, but maybe we won't see having sports leagues on Sunday mornings as, as essential as being in church with the bridegroom. Because unfortunately, we did see it as essential, as more essential. Imagine, even Catholic churches with sports leagues on Sunday morning. God has given us a chance to step back and look at all that and renew our faith, renew our vision of what is important. But speaking of a vision, of seeing correctly, now we're in the Paschal season. Today, the Feast of St. Thomas, Thomas Sunday in the Byzantine calendar and in the Western church, it has now become in recent times divine mercy. Interesting that both of them in the East and West have a very similar theme, the mercy of Christ. Christ is merciful to Thomas's doubt And just as Christ took the cross, a terrible thing, and turned it into the most glorious thing, our avenue to repentance and salvation, so too did he take a terrible thing such as Thomas's doubt. Christ is standing right in front of him and he still doubts. He wants proof, proof like we do, tangible proof. Otherwise, I don't believe in God. Give me tangible proof. Let me put my hand on it. Then I'll believe in God. So Jesus says, okay, go ahead. Here's my body. Here's my wounds. How's that for being tangible? Put your hands in there. And Thomas does. Then he believes. So God, as he did with the cross, he does with Thomas's disbelief. He turns it into an opportunity for belief. In fact, the most profound words in all of Scripture, the whole summation, like a movie, like a culmination of a movie, what is it all leading up to? What's the climactic moment of the entire Bible of salvation history? It was in the words of Thomas the doubter. Imagine God allowed or chose him to say the words that sum up all of God's efforts from all time. 
to be able to say to Jesus Christ, you are my Lord and my God. That's it. Everything was geared to that. The whole of the Old Testament, Jesus Christ's birth, suffering, death, resurrection, his teachings, his miracles, his ascension, his sending the Holy Spirit, everything would be about that we, humanity, would say that this Jesus Christ is our Lord and our God. And there it was in Thomas, said by the doubter himself. And Jesus Christ comes into the midst of the disciples, and as always, the truth is in the details, especially in Scripture. He comes into their midst. They're in the upper room hiding. He comes into the midst, and he does so by going through the door, although it was locked. It's a very important detail in John's Gospel, that all the doors were locked. And we sing about that in the Byzantine liturgy today on Thomas Sunday. We say, although the doors were locked. Why is that so important? Because as he comes through those doors, he's passing through them almost like a ghost. In fact, they thought he was a ghost. Yet, at the same time, his body was so real as to still have the very wounds that he suffered a few days earlier, the wounds that convinced Thomas. So it was a both-and appearance, a spiritual and a physical, very physical, very spiritual. And what Jesus Christ was doing was he was foreshadowing our ultimate destiny, our bodies and souls reunited somehow spiritualized. I mean, we can be able to walk through doors. Maybe there won't be doors in heaven and yet have a body. He was showing the apostles, as he did on Mount Tabor, only to just three of them. This time he was showing all of them, including the doubter, Thomas. He was showing them the glory that originally was intended for the human person. That we were to be these glorious, spiritualized beings with bodies that were beautiful and wonderful and marvelous and somehow integrated with our spirituality, our spirit. Somehow we were like Christ on Mount Tabor, like Christ after his resurrection. And we will be like that in heaven if we make it. So Jesus was showing us what St. John Paul II would call the original man and the eschatological. In other words, what was intended at the beginning and what will be forever in the end. That is, if we've made it. If we've done what Holy Week has asked us to do, to focus on what is essential to light our lamps and make sure they have oil to meet the bridegroom in prayer, in the worship of the church, in the Eucharist, in the sacraments, in the teachings of the church, in our lives, and finally, above all, at the hour of our death. This is what the entire Holy Week and now week of the resurrection was all about. And what an amazing, amazing providential timing of this pandemic, because we have moved through this pandemic, at the same time that we move through mystically, liturgically, those events of Christ's last days on earth, his suffering, death, resurrection, his redemption, redeeming us, his resurrection, his victory. We have moved through those things and now we await the resurrection. We await the victory. We've been going through the dark night. And just like the apostles, we've been afraid haven't we? We're cowering. Haven't we been cowering? We've been told to cower. Shelter. Shelter at home. Shut down. Shut down the churches. In many places, not even confession, anointing, prayer, nothing. The church disappeared. That ran. Some places, uh, the church is open. 
such as ours in our eparchy, you can come to church and pray. We can anoint. We can hear confessions. At least as of the recording of this program, it still is the way. So I give credit to our bishop for that much. But we, like the apostles, in the moment of a crisis, have gone hiding because we can't believe what is happening. We're frightened as though God no longer has his power. That's why the apostles ran. It seemed like Christ was not who he said he was. But then they found out in that upper room when he appeared to them. And Thomas said, as you and I must continue to say, my Lord and my God. Thanks for listening. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Radio is it's training for the troops. It's a interaural of the ear boot camp. The folks who listen, who grow in their faith, grow in charity, grow in all the virtues, they then go out and exert an influence far beyond just themselves. Catholic Radio has an exponential effect for bringing people deeper into the faith. Dr. Ray Garendi thinks Catholic Radio is important. So should you. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!